Welcome to the Wad Pod. Join me as I sit down with CrossFitters, fitness experts, top coaches, professional athletes, and other well-known gym goers to listen to their journey through fitness. In this episode, I managed to meet up with Olympian Axel Brown, who happened to be over in Harrogate before heading back to continue his bobsleigh training. Axel has a fascinating story and how he ended up taking Trinidad and Tobago to the Winter Olympics is truly inspiring. I'm already looking forward to seeing him at the 2026 Games. So, okay. So, let's go back to... We might have covered this, but prior to Olympics, so like teenagers as in post uh, you went to Loughborough did you go to Loughborough Uni I didn't no no so I, I I played American football in the US for a college right so the way their system works is you go through the school system and then one level below the NFL is is college right. division one and then you got division two three and double a and that kind of thing so I was division one and that's how I went to uni um got but I only found that through playing American football in the UK I played one year made the national team and then it was like oh okay if I want to get any better I'm going to have to go to the US and so I saw that out I wasn't really getting anywhere that I wanted to be in the UK and so I was like okay well I I like this sport I like the US I'll just apply to a bunch of unis fully expecting similar to when I finally got into Obsay fully expecting to just be like laughed out of the dump yeah no no no, and and got offers and and got out there and kind of got involved with it so that was in America so you moved to America to play American football correct yeah and how long in, were you in America for playing American football? Realistically, I was only playing football for a semester and a half. Right, okay. I got out there and though athletically I was in the ballpark, yep. their ability, their knowledge of the sport, just, you know, they've been doing it since they could walk practically and they knew what I was doing before I knew what I was doing. And I struggled to keep it, you know, we had an 183 passing plays that I had to learn within that. And that's just a book of learning. These guys are like, oh, well, that's this and that's that yeah. that I learned before. I mean, look, I'm, learning, I'm seeing it for the first time. Yeah. And so it was just a huge amount of work that I simply couldn't keep up with. Right. So back, so when you were in America, what did you think bobsleigh or was that way, way after so going back to the UK? I'd actually been recruited through a thing called, um, it was Power to Podium and Sporting Giants were these two things built around the 2012 Olympics yep. that were to recruit athletes in the UK that might be good at elite sport. So yep. their thing with Sporting Giants was anybody that's tall and has competed at a regional level or above, and then power to podium was people that were displaying ability. So I tried as a under-18 for the British, for the bobsleigh team now, I was told rowing or bobsleigh, you'd be great at either. Yep. Um, and I'm very glad of chess bobsleigh because rowing is hard work hard hard work well so it's far from easy but it's a different kind of hard work yeah much more suited to me so i'd actually tried out as an under 18 but i ended up in this limbo of being too old for the youth olympics and not nearly good enough as an adult so i was I, it was on my radar i go away four years playing american football blah, 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 come back tr- having trained and being much more of an athlete because previously as an under 18 and even st- set foot in a gym literally yeah. hadn't set foot in a gym and i'd got so far so then add to that some S&C and I was in the ballpark 
So the fact you were doing a sport solely focused on acceleration, speed, power, which is I right, put more, you were already kind of teed up for bobsleigh without knowing. So then exactly. when bobsleigh was an option, it was like, well, this just falls in line with what I'm doing. For sure. And, and both sports prioritize being big and fast, but also heavy because American football, you know, part of my job, half of my job is like to block and be an immovable object. So you want to be heavy. Yeah. If you're fast and strong, but can just be light and get picked up and thrown, that's no good. Yeah. And the same deal with bobsleigh. It stands to reason the heavier you are or the denser you are, the faster you're going to get it downhill. So you want your weight in the athletes rather than in the sled. So you could have light athletes pushing a heavy sled or heavy athletes pushing a light sled. Yeah. You know, respectfully, if we, if we were pushing the same sled and you had to add another 40 kilos or whatever, I don't yeah, know, yeah, disrespect yeah. you probably yeah. on 40 kilos, but if you had to add that weight, Yeah, I'd be able to push my like one way quicker than yeah, yeah, yeah. everyone. Fine. So yeah, so that's boring. I mean, it's literally... These are sports that I would be terrible at. <laughs> and if, American football. I think you'd be, you'd be the right shape for skeleton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be, yeah, I'd be all right with that. I'd probably get a bit, a bit thinner and a bit, a bit of muscle mass, <laughs> but I'm doing that quite well at the moment, to be honest. <laughs> so, obviously, Bobsleigh, you just kind of joined the Team GB squad. Yeah, so I, I got brought step. in as a development athlete. Yeah. Um, so that was just... The first season, I was supposed to go on ice and there was this um, a bit of a misunderstanding and I ended up kind of at home. But for me, at home was in the US at that point. Yep. And so they then, so I was on the team, but just on the periphery. And they had um, a race going on a six hour drive away from me. And I was like, you know what, I'll just ask them and turn up and say, look, can I help? How can I get involved? I'll you know, lift the sled, whatever it is, yep. get me involved. If I can get in a sled, great. I end up getting in just this um, kind of practice sled. So there's a sled that they send down before the race to make sure that the track is fine. I end up being the brakeman for that. Now, my impression was this was a wily old bloke that hung around the track and, you know, had done, been doing this for years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Turns out when I'd offered and everyone was like, yeah, mate, go ahead. It was his first ever go off the top. So it's his first go off the top. And I, unbeknownst to me, I'm then his brakeman. So I'm getting beaten up. And I'd heard about big, strong guys, rugby players, all of this, have one go in a sled turn around and say never again yeah. never in my life am i doing that again yeah and i get it right after my first one i was like, i'm one of those am i am i one of those guys that just can't hack this? Yeah, yeah, yeah and you kind of you get used to it. and you know there's still days when you're like not as a pilot but as a breaking one i was like i don't know about this so is that just is that obviously from being so unaware of the sport in terms of how it works all i do is just watch it on tv and just get out and they've got a quick time mm-hmm when you're getting thrown about, is it the is it you're hitting the side of the sled yeah. and back and forth like ricochet? Cause- yeah, it's it's all sorts, to be honest. I mean, the forces that we feel when you're doing 95 miles an hour at yeah. a, you know, three, four meter wall of ice, that force to go from yeah. pointing this direction to pointing that direction in a hairpin turn at 100 miles an hour, everything is, is yeah amplified so as a driver i'm sat up so you can get you got kind of squished by the g-forces in the back when you're hunched over yeah your um shoulders can hit you just bounce into the cowling into just bolts and stuff that are in the sled all sorts and yeah you come out and the adrenaline's that high you don't feel anything yeah but it's one of those like people that have played rugby probably know after a game you get in the showers you're like hang on (laughs) where's that yes exactly and it's just the same above say so you're the driver so you is the four in a sled there's two and four. So there's, they're kind of separate sports in the same way that the 100 meters and the 200 meters, Fine. they're both sprinting, but they're separate. So um, I have specialized in two-man up to yeah. this point. 
but going forward to the next Olympics, the plan is to kind of develop into being a four-man pilot as well. Yep. You don't have to do one or the other, you can do but So you're at the front regardless, yep. and you're, you hold on to the arm? Yep, so I have the, a kind of an arm that sticks out the side of it, and then we have one guy that's on the back. Yep. Anybody that's pushing is known as a brakeman. That's just the, the kind of phrase. Cool. Uh, then in a four-man, you add two more guys on the side, and they jump in. They jump in the side. And then the, the guy the back's last in. Yeah. You're first in, and then you're steering. Correct. How much do you steer? Because sure. when you watch it, you just think, well, it's... Can, yeah, oh, can no, you steer that? Absolutely. Like, so, And it's it's a perfectly reasonable thing to say. So the corner is turning us left to right or right to left. Yep. You know, you're not going to just suddenly turn left in a right hand. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. So our steering, we're actually steering up and down. So if you're coming at a steep corner, it's just going to shoot you into the roof and you yep. just go straight up, you hit the t- top of the corner and then you barrel back down. So what we're doing is as you're coming onto the corner, you're catching the steering to steer down. Got you. So and preventing going too high, so you're riding it round. Yeah, exactly. And then you're doing the same thing to come yeah. off the corner. Again, the centripetal force wants to push you up. Yeah. So you're kind of coaxing it down yeah, into down. the straight or into the next corner or whatever it is. You, yeah, you'd, you'd never know that question by watching it on TV. No, no. Did it, when you watch it on the Olympics, they don't quite go into detail of what they're doing. They no, just, and it's like the coverage probably, they assume that people know what, what they're doing rather than... And we are just a tube. All you see is the top of my head, right? Yeah. Um, you don't know what's going on yeah. underneath. And yeah, if you just sit on a sledge as a kid, not necessarily steering, maybe you stick your heels in the ground or whatever, yeah. you just kind of along for the ride. So again, perfectly reasonable to assume that's what we're doing. So the reason it's called bobsleigh is originally the guys in it would be leaning and bobbing and that's how they turn the sleigh. That's, how they turn. that's what Cool Runnings would have you believe that you yeah, sit yeah, in the yeah. bathtub and you kind of and you you practice around. learning. Yeah. There's, there's none of that. It's, it's steering in the modern sport. What age were you when you went into Team GB Bobsleigh for the first time? Yeah, so I tried out age 23. 23, so that's when I kind of first first got into the British team. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of worked out. So everything in our sport works in four-year cycles. So that first four-year cycle, I was a brakeman trying to get into the top teams yep. so that I could qualify for the games. Because again, just a, a little kind of background to it, a brakeman only qualifies if their pilot qualifies. So a pilot qualifies the sled, and the sled is the term for all the people that are in it as well. So you qualify a four-man sled, you're taking yep. three guys with you. Right. Qualify a two-man sled, you're taking two. You're an active athlete and a break and a, yeah. and a spare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's qualified by the sled. So as a brakeman, you're kind of at the whim of what happens to your driver, not only physically right. in the sled, it's up to them if they crash or not, right? But also qualifying-wise, if they don't qualify, you're going nowhere. So as a driver, the pressure is really on you because not only is it your Olympic dream yeah. or you're, you know, you're qualifying on behalf of you, but you dictate whether the brakeman goes as well so he's kind of going well pressure's on you mate because if you don't qualify us i can at least blame you <laughs> yeah You're I, I, think going, I think that's where i'm in a somewhat unique position you know uh, uh, other people have done this certainly before i have but being a brakeman for four years five years technically and then becoming a pilot my team know that i'm not asking anything of them that i haven't done myself sure. that i don't thoroughly understand yeah so they know that when i'm getting in the sled i'm thinking of them because i've been so they know that, okay, when I was in the back, what did I want to see my pilot doing? What did I want to hear him say? What did I need to know that he was doing to prepare? Yep. I'm doing all of those things. Yep. And when it comes to kind of my performance, 
I don't do well kind of being told what to do, being told where to go. Once that power's in my hands, that's when I've been able to succeed because yeah. okay, I would r much rather the pressure be on me than the pressure be on and I'm just palming off to somebody else. Yeah, definitely. So from, I mean, I've never spoken to an Olympian, but when I always think, you know, at what point did they decide that the Olympics was their dream? Most Olympians have to probably start at a young age to get into the Olympics in their sport. Obviously, at this point, you're 22 and just trying out. Was it because it was like a hobby mm. and you just want to see how far you could get? Or was it like the goal is Olympics at age 22? Well, to, to an extent, it, it, was, it was just, I fancy having a go in that, but I'll do it. But the same could be said of the American football that I was like, I like this sport. Let's see how far I can go with yeah. it. And I think what I say to, to the guys that I recruit now, you know, the track and field guys that maybe feel like, oh, but I've just walked into this. and say, well, you have been training your entire life for this. You just didn't know it. Yeah. Right. So I have my entire life. I remember vividly walking onto a school playing field, primary school. So I'm probably like nine thinking I want to do this. I don't know what this is. It's not necessarily football, which I think yeah. is what I was playing. I was like, I want sport to be a way of making a living yeah. because I just love it. And that's why I was upset age 18 that that hadn't happened, that I'd not found that. Yep. I was still engaging with sports, still trying my hardest, but it was only through finding Bob say that I was able to kind of fulfill those things. But my whole life, I've wanted to. But truth be told, age 20, you say you've not got a sport, you're probably not going to the Olympics. But Bob say kind of opened that door and I was able to find success by being above the curve athletically, but no, certainly not in that top, top fraction of a percent. Yeah. Um, rather, I was able to kind of make that leap by being able to do the stuff off the track, the organization, the, the planning. That's when I then kind of came into my own with it, really. But the fact that you're still that age looking to still find, pursue the dream in sport. Most people would go, I tried American football, didn't, didn't happen, change of career. Yeah. How do you're then still actively looking for a sport involving sprinting mm -hmm. with, you know, the assets you've got to go, okay, what, what can I do? I'm it wasn't the one, yeah. and that's probably why you're in. But, but truth be told, when I got released by that American football team, it did feel like that's it. I, I'm done, you know. Yeah. I'm aged 22, going into my 23rd year, of like, and I don't have a sport. I've just been cut from what I thought was my sport. Yeah. Probably that's the end. And it was a case of, I want to have a go in a bobsleigh someday. Maybe I'll just do it this way. Instead of paying yeah. and going as a tourist, maybe I can get myself in a sled. I yeah. did. I fully didn't expect it to lead anywhere, really, other than maybe I'll have a go. Maybe I'm good enough to kind of scrape by. And I scraped by, and then and the next level, I just kind of got in and just got in. Great. And yeah, and we just got into the Olympics. And so actually, it's just been this gradual tier. It wasn't only the only That's goal the is the Olympics. That's I have this ladder of any of and just getting on the ladder I, I was like if i represent team gb or represent british bobsleigh team gb is only the olympics but like if i represent british bobsleigh cool i'm set yeah or if i can ever earn some money from doing this cool accomplished and then you kind of you do the next bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then all of a sudden at the previous game so four years ago i got told sorry you've not been selected for the olympics and i come off that call smiling ear to ear i'm like why am i happy that's bad news and it was like because actually i've just become I was one, one spot away from going to the Olympics. And I was like, I just got really close to the Olympic Games. I never, never thought that would be a thing. Growing up in that, you know, that same kid that walked onto the field thought, you're born an Olympian, right? You know that from yeah. birth. You, from whatever, you come down from Mount Olympus, yeah, yeah, like yeah. you are an Olympian. And, you know, for anyone watching as well, that's not the case, right? You, you can, some people might be, some people yeah. are just, they find their thing and, 
but by God, they're good at it. Yeah. But other people, and I would say probably the majority of people in the Olympics that maybe you don't see making headlines, but the majority of people there have got there through just grafting and not giving up. And it sounds almost cliche, but it, it really is. The yeah, and if you looked at the route people get to, to get to the Olympics, they will scrape through small margins, small wins, and they'll just make it. Yeah. Not because they were naturally gifted as that, Olympian when they were young, they've just worked hard and just got through. And that's and I'd say if you take most athletes in most sports, the top one percent or half percent or whatever it is, are so similar athletically yeah. that the difference is negligible. The difference that makes the people that make it and the people that don't so often is mental, is preparation, is yeah. is the other things rather than just pure athletic talent. So yeah. you know if you've got that as well, you can train the body. But so often it's it's probably easier to take someone that's got the right attitude, got the work ethic, got that, and try and make them into an athlete, yep. then take an athlete that's lazy or bone idle and yep. try and teach them to give a shit. Yeah, or isn't good under pressure. Yeah, yeah. great, they can do it off the field yeah. when it comes to actually doing it. And yeah, and, and that's another thing as an athlete that truly you don't know until the pressure is really on. I'm going into Olympic Games, competing in front of hundreds of millions of people. Everyone that I have ever known is watching me compete and that's not even an exaggeration everyone that knows me into well or even you know knows my parents right yeah. is watching that race yeah. you're going to the start line knowing that and there's no way to prepare for that so i'm going to the olympics guys the opening ceremony not knowing okay am i am, am i just going to choke yeah and you don't know until you do so it so much pressure i've had previous things that have said when the pressure's on that's when i do my best work yeah but there's no pressure like that yeah until you get there and thankfully that came true and i drove probably the best i've ever driven right but you don't know until you're there are you the guy that false starts are you the guy that crashes you know coming around corner 13 at the end is it just too much or are you actually right i'm, I'm in the zone and thankfully i felt that i was that yeah and you'd and you're doing it in the olympics for your own team essentially <laughs> Okay, so Bobsleigh, what is the probably the number one thing that the general public would misunderstand for like some something that's completely like not factored in, or something that's completely misunderstood in Bobsleigh? Like, well, I mean, we've hit on two of them. One is that you actually do steer it, yeah, uh, and the other is that we're big. A lot of people assume that Bobsleigh is a small, and you have to kind get, of get it to fit into yeah. that thing, but yeah, kind of anything but. Um, so, are all are all the. So if it was a four-man bobsleigh, are all four of you big? Yeah, so you want, you know, four-man, if you've got a minimum weight sled, then you want all four athletes to average 105 kilos. Got so, yeah, yeah, you want you want kind of big big guys, That's big girls. to say you've got to be quick. Exactly. There's a lot of 105 kilo guys who won't be able to sprint. Exactly. So you could find plenty of people, 105 kilos are plenty of them. You could find plenty of people that are really strong. Yeah. Plenty of people that are really fast. But the people that all combine into those that's hard to find but i think that's what people so often find with boss is actually maybe the sprinters that were too big to get sub 10 or whatever yeah. it is or the other guys that are you know too heavy that actually what made them not succeed at what they were doing yeah. so often makes them good at bobsleigh and i think you know you see that time and time again i'm not sure that that necessarily applies to me but you do see it a lot i'm when it so the winter olympics are the next one, Olympics, are 2026. Yeah. In four years. Yeah. So you've got four years of enjoying, well, would it be, what, two years of enjoyment? And then... Well, I mean, I hope, what happens? hopefully the whole thing is is enjoyable because, um, like we were saying off, off camera, it's if you're not doing it 
to be happy with the guy in the mirror, there's no point doing it at all, right? If you're, when the lights are off and nobody's watching, if you're just fundamentally unhappy, there's no point doing any of it. If you're unhappy and you win a gold medal, guess what? You're just an unhappy person with a gold medal around their neck. It doesn't mean anything that actually creating self-worth internally and creating those internal goals is worth so much more. And so that's kind of what I want to do great if we win a medal and make history and have movies made about us that would be sick right but actually if i'm doing that at the expense of being unhappy not worth it but if i'm coming away maybe we don't improve at all but i'm having a blast yeah of course i'm looking doing it and you've done enough to go if if i don't achieve any more yeah it doesn't actually matter and that's i'm going to tell you that's a wonderful place to be yeah like knowing that knowing that i have done that yeah and i i don't need anymore i could walk away from it this this evening and be like you know what i'm done with bobsleigh and i don't need anything more from it i've accomplished that thing i've done that eight years and that's going to live with me my kids are going to know dad's an olympian right so yeah it's that's a really really kind of nice place to be. yeah just to get a quick time frame you're 22 tim gb just start mm. and how old are you now 30 so in eight years you've gone from trying bobsleigh mm-hmm to being in the Olympics at... So, there can't be many athletes that have gone from trying a sport to being in the Olympics at in that sport within eight years. Probably not. And and again, the thing of like 10 years of like, hadn't been in a gym, hadn't done any formal training, was overweight, you know, I had a crap diet. It's not brilliant now, to be fair, but I had a crap diet and, you know, to turn that around into into the Olympia. I think in adulthood, because you could take a ten year old and come age twenty, yeah. might go to the Olympics, sure. But I think in adulthood to turn that around, yeah. So yeah, essentially, it's a ten year window to go from completely no interest in that sport to yeah. age twenty, potentially twenty two, maybe inside. Yeah. So we say it's almost like an eight ten year window to go from nothing to the Olympics. Yeah. Yeah, you see that even that in itself is just like ridiculous. yeah exactly it's ridiculous. and it's this it's this weird thing of i understand that it it is mad and yeah. people want to know about it um but it's just i've just been doing my thing at, at no point have i kind of been doing it for any kind of recognition or anything like that i've just been doing it because i enjoy it and, and want to see how far i can take it yep um what's been a really pleasant surprise is how many people give a shit and it's lovely. It's not why I did it, but it's a really nice side effect. Yeah. And that moniker of Olympian that I now have for life opens a lot of doors. Yeah. Opens a lot of people's interest in what I've got going on. Yeah. Yeah. But I know. I was, I was kind of laughing to myself, going, "We're going to be sat in my garage gym, and I've just seen on your Instagram you were just sat with the BBC doing an interview. I'm like, how how things differ. I was like, <laughs> a few weeks ago, I saw you. I saw you on like the full Winter Olympics BBC set. Yeah. I'm going. Yeah. It's, the weirdest one was doing interviews on Chinese TV. So they're, okay. you know, they're speaking Chinese and then they cut to you and they ask you the question in English and I'm answering, but I, I don't know anybody that's watched that, but it's gone out. They, they told me to tens of millions of people. That was, that I know, was interesting. So, I mean, will they understand you, I suppose? I think so maybe they're subtitles, maybe okay. they understand me. I don't God knows what the never subtitles read. Probably <laughs> <laughs> running all sorts. But, you know, they loved our story. Um, and so I ended up, you know, doing a bunch of media with the Chinese that I've never seen. Yeah. You know, it apparently went out on uh, their social media, but I have no idea. Yeah. That was fun. Because I went to Tokyo and it's like, there's, there's, there's so many people there and they're so kind of caught up in their life that when they, I was literally walking around Tokyo and they were, they were just coming up going, come and get photos. And yeah. I'm just going, but you, they must have seen what, you know, 
if you see a Chinese person in England, you, you don't have the same reaction. Sure. Well, that's how, how insular they are with their life. So. Definitely. And I, I get it a lot just, I think, well, when I'm out there, just by being tall, right? You know, by being fully head and shoulders yeah. above almost everything yeah. else. I, I think what was, what was funny was I'm um, getting asked for an autograph. But this is before I'd done any sport, just for being tall. I, was like, <laughs> I, I wonder what you're going to do with that autograph. I'm more than happy to do it. Yeah. So this is the autograph from a tall person. Yeah. <laughs> Great. I've never given one of those out before. <laughs> Um, right, so last few questions. Um, what was your scariest experience in a bobsleigh? Yeah, so as a brakeman, I think being at the top of the track, knowing you're about to put your life in somebody else's hands, literally, is is always yeah. quite scary. Um, getting crashed is not a fun time because, again, you're at the... Um, you know, at the whim of the ice, really, you're upside down. It feels like you're in a washing machine because you're just turning around. Your shoulder is getting skinned from the friction of the ice. That's like, so that's a good one to answer your question of what people don't realize. If you crash on ice, the speed that we're going at, the friction will burn the skin off you. Oh so we wear, Kev we literally wear Kevlar shirts underneath our race suits to protect your skin. You know, I've seen a guy whose entire shoulder is a skin graft from a crash. Um, so that's, that's pretty terrifying. So in the Olympics, do you still wear that? I don't as a driver because I'm in the nose of the sled, but the guys in the back will. Absolutely. Right. So, um, okay. I wouldn't ever let anyone in my sled that isn't wearing a burns without it. Because, yes, I might be fully in control of my sled, but you never know what might happen, yeah. and it's just not worth the consequences. So, when you know when it goes when it goes completely upside down, mm -hmm. that's the point your shoulder will touch because you're moving your head to the so side. So, as a driver, I'd get hit on the head, so we have to be careful of concussions now. I don't crash much, so thankfully it doesn't yeah. happen a lot. Um, but the guy in the back who's kind of bent over, yeah. the top of his shoulders uh, has contact with the ice. That's just because of the opening at the top of the sled when it turns over. I, I actually once, um, because I was very big as a brakeman, um, we crashed and my shoulders got burned up a little bit, but my butt came out the back of the sled and scraped down one of the corners and had this big bird down my butt, right which I never thought, you'd, you know, maybe I have to wear like Kevlar pants or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, well, soon, soon there'll be a thing, probably. Um, anything else? So, I was going to ask, I was going to go, I mean, this video is going to be absolutely sure. ridiculously long. Podcast. Basically, but um, I was going to kind of go into detail with what a typical session would be. Mm -hmm. Not doing bobsleigh, but just in a gym. Kind of like, what would be your typical workout? Because obviously, we've just done like a random CrossFit one, but... Instead of going into detail, perhaps we could follow up with a video further on the line and go into detail. Yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll find out when you come. I'd rather, I think I, I'd rather <laughs> come not knowing how bad it's going to be when it's all cardio and rowing and probably all that stuff. So, well, so as we've hit on a couple of times, our goal is to be fast, powerful, strong. Yeah. So it, we'll, we'll work in kind of waves throughout the year of strength building yeah. into power building. So, um, you know, currently I will lift three or four times a week and sprint two or three times a week in a case of just keeping that keeping that weight moving yeah. fast yeah. and then also sprinting. So it's it's a lot of that of being able to move weight quick. quick. Uh, you know, I've said generally there's been this benchmark of you need to be able to back squat 200 kilos and stuff. And I would say everybody, every male at the Olympics could, yeah. right? But I've always thought if you can move 150 really, really efficiently, yeah, that's probably that's as much as you need. So that kind of yeah. thing, squats, cleans, um, lots of split leg stuff because obviously we're we're driving in a split leg position. So it's yeah. split squats, lunges, step ups, that kind of deal. Oh, okay. um, and then you know. with upper body, 
it's important to be strong, but actually we don't ever need to move weight with our upper body. You need to be able to lock this position. So it doesn't matter how strong your legs and glutes are, if you're losing that through your posterior chain and your upper body, if you're flexing like this, you're losing so much. You just need to be able to take everything that your legs can generate and hold that hip. Yeah, so it's it's that kind of yeah strength through, through the back and chest. So it's almost like lats and yeah, it's 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 all of that basically. Everything everything from the from the belt up needs to just be rigid. Rigid, yeah. Okay, well yeah, that will make for a good uh, part two. Okay. Game so to, to round off the video, so your plans for 2026? I don't know where the Winter Olympics going to be. Yeah. So we're on Cortina. Okay. Um, so they, they, it's going to be a similar track. It's not being built yet. It's going to be a similar track to the Turin Olympics, which was 2006. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so it's, it's back to Italy. Um, and yeah, the goal is hopefully to take a four-man sled there. As I said, goal number one, have fun. But yeah, um, I think we have a real shot at surprising a lot of people. You know, a little Caribbean island should not be doing anything in bobsleigh, let alone, you know, top tens or... You know, who knows, challenging for medals would be insane. So that's kind of, you know, the outside goal. So the, I'm going to be rooting for Trinidad and Tobago so much. It's, it's I, think gonna be I think there's a lot of people, thankfully, now that um, are rooting for us. And yeah. people might say, well, why are you rooting for them? And they say, oh, well, you know, this guy that grew up in Harrogate and stuff that's from the UK that has a Trini mum is competing for them and, and bridging that gap. We know TNT's behind us, but now we've got a huge swathe of the British fans behind us as well, as well. And that's pretty. And it's more the fact that you've kind of, done it off your own back and yeah. you're the front of the team you're the, the fate representing and yeah it's it's weird it's weird to say because I, I you know i don't like kind of boasting or whatever but yeah i think to, to have done it the right way and to have done it treating people right treating people you know well and yeah. and make that and, and blaze that path but in the right way yeah means everything it uh, means as much as the accomplishment itself to have done it the way that we did it and that shows in the Every sponsor we've worked with, every fan that we've had interactions with comes away thinking that was awesome. Yeah. Rather than that was a bit weird. Nuts. I mean, I'm I'm just inspired. Here, kind of like hearing you gone from nowhere near to Olympic goal, age 21, 22, having got there in eight years. Uh, yeah, look forward to it. Appreciate it. Cheers. Nice one. I hope you enjoyed that episode and a huge thank you for listening. Make sure you're following the pod on Instagram at the dot wad dot pod our twitter at the underscore wad underscore pod the podcast is sponsored by wad powders that's at wad powders on instagram please show some support to the pod by either sharing this episode with a mate or buying some supplements from wadpowders.co.uk see you guys next week mm-hmm.